morning. My name is Rick, an alcoholic. And by the grace of God and the actions of Alcoholics Anonymous and sponsorship, I've been sober since the 8th of February, 1976. Well, let me get the first thing out of the way. I want to thank Liz so she can be on the tape (laughs) for asking me to uh, come and participate in your roundup. She asked me a year ago over a bowl of raspberry chocolate chip ice cream. I'm easy. I'm easy. I'm easy. And I said, Liz, you don't want to do that. I spoke here nine years ago. They don't want to hear me. Nobody asked me to come back. She says, oh, yes, we want you to come back. And that's all. I want to thank the committee to agree with Liz to bring me back. It's been a pleasure. Um... I want to thank Jack. Very interesting. I heard the other story before I heard yours, and and now I like you. (laughs) Well, I heard his wife first. And so now I, and he's a real, God, I think maybe we should really give him some NyQuil. (laughs) Let him slide right in under the door. My good friend Jim, I'm glad to be with you again. Um. And all the speakers this week, you know, this weekend, it's just been outstanding. Um, I guess the dance was too good last night. They're not here. <laughs> They're not here. I don't know where they went. Dick, besides Jimmy and I, we feel like a flying ball of milk. It is tough this morning. They're just not here this morning. I don't know where they went. Um, I was asked, was I going to be spiritual? And when you think, when I think of spiritual, I think of (laughs) nail him again. I don't know what spiritual is. I thought I was spiritual Friday when I got up. And I guess everybody kept waiting to see if I was going to gravitate a little bit higher and higher. Where I'm from, I'm just a drunk, and you you can't get any higher than humanness. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I have any words of wisdom for anyone here. Uh, if you're new, I'm going to tell you the secret. If you don't drink, you can't get drunk. Uh, and that might be shocking to you, but <laughs> that's it. Uh, if you've been around for a while, I have nothing new. I uh, Carol, who's here. Uh, heard me nine years ago um, when I spoke. It was a Saturday morning, uh, right after I had buried, uh, gone home to help bury and sort out and straighten out the death of my mother. So it wasn't a, I wasn't bubbly that weekend. Uh, I was grieving, if you might want to call it that, uh, because my mother had become a mother. Uh, I had become a son. I had a good relationship with her when she died. The best gift that I ever gave my mother was I put her in Al-Anon. And she had had some wonderful years in Al-Anon, so I'm a fan of Al-Anon because I saw what my mother became because she went to Al-Anon. And that's how I was when I got here and spoke nine years ago. A lot of things have changed since then. Um, You're trying to wonder if I'm an alcoholic or not. Uh, There's not a drink that I didn't like. I'm a pig. NyQuil sound pretty good when Jack was talking about it, you know. But if I had a little NyQuil, I lose my job. So that, that rules that out. I don't know what this new stuff is. I never had a Bud Light. I don't know what Bud Light tastes like. So I, I sponsor guys. They tell me what Bud Light tastes like. Uh, wine cooler. Ooh, I'm a connoisseur of wine. Muscatel, Ripple, Mad Dog. <laughs> Boom's farm. That was on the tail end of coming in there, you know. So I like stuff. Um, the best drink I ever had was the next one. The next one was the best drink. Uh, you had it, I drank it, didn't care. I'm not a beer drinker. Uh, in the early days, I used to go to the bathroom a lot. Now that I'm getting older, water makes me go to the bathroom a lot. Never stopped. I drank for the effect of alcohol. I used to say I liked it, but that's a lie. 
I like the effect that alcohol produced in me. As I'm getting older, I'm finding out more and more things through, and I'm fortunate, I work with my sponsor. I see him every single day. Now, some of you might say that's good. Some of you might say it's bad. It's good for me. It keeps me in check every single day. He asked me, well, how are you doing today? He'll come around the building and say, how are you doing? He really doesn't want to know. <laughs> I can tell by the expression on his face. Do I really have to go in there and ask him how he's doing? I don't know. And I'll tell him. Uh, I don't have a problem working my, for my, for my uh, sponsor. I just go to work. He taught me just go to work. Also, I'm retired military. And that kind of helps. They expect you to go to work on a regular basis. So I did that for 22 and a half years. So I know how to go to work. Um, I like money. Uh, I haven't always liked money because I like to drink. And when you like to drink, you don't have a lot of money. But I grew up in Connecticut. That's where I'm originally from. I'm a, a Yankee. A real Yankee. I'm a New York Yankee fan. I'm a Yankee. I like everything about Yankees. I'm one of five kids. Um, I've heard a lot of terms used in AA. I am from a dysfunctional family. There were seven of them and one of me. <laughs> Six of them. There's five kids to be up. No, I count my grandmother. Yeah, there's seven of them and one of me. I was always dysfunctional to what they were doing. I don't know what they were doing. I really don't. Uh, when I was doing my A-step list, the whole family's on there, and I can't put anything about them because I don't know anything. I have come to learn about all my members of my family, uh, made my amends to my parents and whatnot, and I'll hope to share about that later on. But I don't know. Uh, spiritual, God left me at about the age of 14 years old, 13, 14 years old, God was exited out of my life. Very simple. Uh, when I was growing up, that's back then when you could get whippings and it wouldn't be child, you know, child abuse. Nowadays it's child abuse, but back then it was whippings. Like, go get your own switch. Type whippings. And some of you are shaking your head and you know what I mean. That's the kind of father and mother I had. You see that tree down there? Go get one. And I'd go get it. And my father would whip my butt. Or whatever he could whip, because I'm a, I have ants in my pants and I got to dance and I don't sit still for nothing. <laughs> We'd have breakfast, say grace, say little Bible verses, and go off to church forever. <laughs> and that equation, some don't, well, don't make sense. I just got my butt whipped. Now I gotta go pray about it. I don't understand. <laughs> and every whipping I got, I deserve. And there's some they don't even know about. So I got every one. I don't know if there's child abuse or not. I don't know. My father had nothing to do with my alcoholism. Come to find out. My mother had nothing to do with my alcoholism. See, I drank. That's what happened. And what happened is, one Sunday, the minister called us all up front, a bunch of us guys, and lined us up in front. And he commenced to chastising us, because we had gone to a dance. And back then, we did a little dirty dancing. And uh, he chastised us because that wasn't the proper way to be dancing with young ladies. That's how they get pregnant. I didn't know he was... <laughs> I didn't know he was lying, you know, but that's what he said. But see, my brain, because I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic from the day I was born, came out to shoot. I didn't want to come out to shoot because I like warmness. And they said, come out in this cruel world. And I didn't want to kick in the screaming, so I slapped the doctor. I want to go back. So I knew there was something not right in this picture. See, the minister had a son. Now, he was the leader. <laughs> Minister's sons are always the leaders. But he was not in the front. And see, I looked at that minister, and he was God. And I said, there's something wrong. There's no God. So I walked away. I really walked away because later on I became a Catholic. I mean, really, I became, because I, I was seeking something, but I became a Catholic. So I found ways now not to go to church or I'd run away from church. 
So that was my introduction to God. See, I don't know what's going on with this weirdo kid. I just know that you looked at me. See, Earl was talking about it, and Jack was talking about it, and Jimmy talked about it. I hit people. See, I got this fear. And if you're looking at me, there's a guy over there. He's looking at me like, what's he going to say next? Well, see, I would jump down from here, run over there, and bam, hit him. And he'd be looking at me like, damn, man, I was just trying to see what you're going to say. Because, see, I'm afraid of him. But he don't know I'm afraid. And I'm growing up this way. So I learned how to play a little baseball, a little basketball. And that was my alcohol of choice. I was a good athlete. I was a legend in my own mind. I had potential. I was playing semi-pro baseball at the age of 13. I had places to go and people to see. See, I'm not drinking yet. I'm nuts. I hit people. I go stay out. My parents moved into an Italian neighborhood. I took on that role. That's why I talk the way I talk. <laughs> I don't have to watch The Godfather. I don't have to watch that other new series that's on, you know, with Sopranos or some singing group. I don't have to watch them. I grew up with that. I understand that, mad- that madness. I loved it. That was my world. See, I became that. And that's where I lived. And I'm nuts. The guys I hung around, we fought in the morning, played baseball in the afternoon, swim, fight. We did all that stuff all day long in the summertime. And I'm nuts. And somewhere along, and and, and, and in between there, I got this little old grandma. Half Cherokee little old grandma who liked to dip snuff and drink gin. (laughs) And she introduced me to dipping snuff and drinking gin. So I got drunk. I'm sorry. I had my first drink at a very, very young age. Nowadays, it's no big deal. You're all doing it at a young age if you're young. But back then, it was, you know, oh, look at Reggie. He's drunk. Ha <laughs> ha. Hit me cute. <laughs> back then, they used to give people pills for kids like me who are hyper. I have a lot of energy. My mother said, don't give him anything. And I, by the grace of God, thank you, Mom. Because can you imagine me drinking alcohol the way I drank alcohol and the pills that I was taking? You'd have a different speaker this morning. And she cut all of that off. She said, don't give that kid anything. Maybe he'll outgrow it. Well, I never outgrew it. <laughs> I got just as much energy now that I have before. I am not looking for the child within. The adult within is saying, come out. Come out. I'm breaking you down piece by piece. You're sick. You're well. You know, I'm getting old. But I got the energy. I like little kids. I like to play with little kids because that's where I am. And I just got all this energy. And so I'm just going crazy. And I got introduced to alcohol the real way from a buddy of mine. His father owned a liquor store. We used to go make liquor deliveries for his father on Saturday. So we go over to Jim's house. Jim ordered a case of beer. A case of beer for Jim. A six-pack of beer for us. Oh, Lou down the street needs a half a gallon of wine. Wine for them, something for us. And then we go out in the park that night on Saturday night or Friday night, and we drank. And I was known as One Can Man. One Can Man, take half the can, throw it away, you hear this thump. So I couldn't handle even a whole can of beer. But I'd get drunk. And it changed something in me. It made me okay to be with you. I still fought, but I was cool. I've missed some episodes because I did not have some alcohol in me. There was a young lady who really wanted to get to know me. But see, I'm shy. I don't know what moves to make. I found out later on, give me a little alcohol, I'll make all the moves you want me to make. Now, the good thing's clear here, so you don't, so you'll understand. I don't know how to dance, can't dance, can't carry a tune even if I'm in a barrel, and I'm colorblind. I am all screwed up. Been that way all my life. But when I drink, I don't have any problems. I see bouquets of colors. I can dance with the best of them. But when I'm like I am tonight, today, my wife has to help pick out ties and dress me. 
People have to help me. That's how bad I come. Don't ask me what color I have. Someone come later on and say, what color do you have on today? Clothes. <laughs> but that's the way it was. And I'm playing sports, don't know what's going on. I'm a legend in my own mind, and I'm crazy. And I got problems, and I don't know what problems are, and no one can help me because I don't know what to ask. And I'm just going around going crazy. In 1965 was the best of times and it was the worst of times. For some of you in that age area, you'll understand. There's a little conflict going on over there somewhere called Vietnam. I've had too many grades in school. I'm a senior in high school playing three sports. I'm a big man on campus. And I also got a draft notice. Come along with me. See, because I spent too many grades in school. And because I like to repeat. I majored in recess and gym. It catches up with you later on in life, but that's what I was doing back then. And so I don't know what's going on. I'm drinking a little bit here on the weekends, getting in little fights over here and there. I'm just nuts. Now, my buddies, and I have friends. Nowadays, kids don't have friends like like I had. There was five of us. We did things like paint on school buildings and stuff like that. and Getting the paper and no one knows who that is. And, you know, good stuff. They're going off to college. I can't go to college. I want to go to a little junior college, but dad ain't got the money. Dad's been supporting five kids. Put a roof over her head, took care of us. I don't like the guy. I don't like the guy because he ain't a dad like Louie's dad is. Well, Philip's dad, those are dads. My dad ain't a dad. He's working all the time. He can't go to my banquets. I'm going to get an award for playing something. My mother has to go. I don't like my dad. He can't get me now. I ask him for something and he can't come through once more. So I said, screw you. I ran away. I went down and joined the Air Force. Now, if you're wondering if I'm an alcoholic, here's my logic. The Marines and the Army play in the dirt. The Navy, too much water. Water's for Saturday afternoon baths. Too much water. That's my logic. So I went in the Air Force. I didn't go in the Air Force to see the world. I went in. That was my logic. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an alcoholic and don't know, and I'm just starting to blossom. The weeds are still around me, but I'm starting to come up out of the ground. I'm blossoming. Now, I'm a slickster who thinks he's Italian, thinks he's cool, and the Air Force sends me to Paris, France. 19-year-old whippersnapper, blossoming, looking for. And if you're really my age, there was a movie with uh, Shirley MacLaine called Emma Deuce. Oh, some people remember that dirty movie. <laughs> you like that. Well, I went everywhere. She, I know exactly where she was at. I've been there and spent a lot of money. And I went to France. Now, I'm a full-blown alcoholic. Woke up one day. Now, looking back, I'm a full-blown alcoholic. I'm drinking every single day. Not a whole lot. Because you can't drink the capacities that I've been known to drink every day the same way because the body will shut down, detox, throw up, pee a lot, you'll do something. But there was alcohol going into my body every single day. Those of you who like that little funny weeds and crack and all that other stuff that they're doing nowadays, back then it wasn't cool. We knew what heroin shooters would look like. They were down in New York. The thing in my neighborhood was sniffing glue. We had a glue sniffer. And we say, hey, you want to be like him? Sniff glue. <laughs> so I'm not knocking what's going on nowadays. I just don't have any experience in it. I, I don't. I understand why you do it. And I figure if I was coming into AA now, I'd do it too. Because, see, I'm the guy who needs something to make me be something. I can't just be me. So I'd use whatever you're using, and you'll find out down the road here a little bit how much I'm not 
into that other stuff. I'm not knocking it. I just didn't do it. So I'm in, I'm in France drinking wine with the best of them, chasing, blacking out. Now there's two kinds of blackouts. For those of you who are new, those of you who are old, you don't care. The new ones, there's two kinds of blackouts. There's the good blackout, there's the bad blackout. Now if you don't know, I'm gonna share. But I've been told to be spiritual and share. The good blackout. Man, you were cool last night. Man, you were the life of the party. You were jamming. You were doing everything. Man, oh, man. Go for it, Reg. Yeah, man, you're all right. Then there's the blackout. Get away from me. You sick son of a... Get away. You know what you did to my car? Why'd you hit that guy? What are you talking about? Man, you know. Man, come on, man. Okay, yeah, man, you know, you know, he pissed me off, y'all. So I gotta be cool. Cause see, I don't know what I did. That's the bad blackout. I have no idea. That comes back to haunt you later on. See, I believe Bill had, he knew about blackouts. So that's why he did nine. Nine is for the blackouts. Because that's where all my, I, later on, that's where I got in trouble with nine. And blackouts. I found out there's good and there's bad. I love the good. I don't like the bad. And that was going on. I was doing that. I was passing out, coming to. Air Force sent me places. I've been places in the United States Air Force and most people just hate. You know, I spent a tour of 11 months in Paris and then I went to Brussels, Belgium. I'm an international drunk, by the way. Went to Brussels, Belgium, lived, lived through there for three and a half years, assigned to the American Embassy, all the good stuff. I meet her. Ha ha. Wife number one. The events to lead up to wife number one. Like I told you, I'm a legend in my own mind. I'm assigned to the American Embassy to give you an idea how this unit was. When we all went into Brussels, Belgium, there was 32 of us. Three were married. This is when the Air Force is basically all men, no women. Three of us were married. Or three were married. When the original 32 guys left, three went home single. We all got married at some point, and most of us are not married to the same people we got married to. Now, I'm playing basketball for a local Belgium team, and I blow up my knee. Today they call it an ACL. I just ripped that sucker all the heck. But I'm an alcoholic. I had been drinking the night before, had a little cognac and coffee in the morning before the game. So it's, it's listed as an alcohol, not an alcohol related incident, but that's what we will, I'll call it. Cause I'm drunk. There is no reason for me to do what I did to my knee unless I was under the influence of something. And I happen to be under the influence of alcohol. And I blew up my knee. They take me to the Belgium hospital. See, we thought it was broke. Pop that sucker back in, let me go back. But when they popped it back, they said, there's something else going on, and they wrapped it up. So I go back to the game. We're sponsored by a little pub. We go over to the pub. Now, I'm the kind of alcoholic who likes sympathy, especially if it's of the opposite sex. So I got this full thing wrapped on my leg, and I got it propped up, and oh, man, oh, and they're all, all red. Red, what can we do? Yeah, and I'm liking that. Because you're feeding something that's missing. I need that okay. See, I got this thing, this fear going on. And then and you're telling me it's okay. You're validating it's okay. And my knee, by the way, is getting bigger and bigger. And someone says, man, you should go to the military hospital. There's something wrong in there. And it's okay. And they take me out. And they take me to the base. And they pop off the rub, the ace bandage type uh cast. And my knee just goes... Just blows up and four or five days later on they finally did surgery. But I'm laying in the hospital. Europe has this little candies called my sherry. 
what they got cognac in it. Nowadays they got they call them cherry something, but back then they had cognac in them. I'm popping those, and they're bringing me pain pills. Back then it was Darvons, so I'm popping Darvons and a little sharing a little alcohol. I got no pain. Nurse comes in, not a nurse. She's a lieutenant, but she's a nurse. She's in white. I go, nurse. I need some for my pain. She says, excuse me. I'm not a nurse. I'm lieutenant so-and-so. I go, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> I did. This happened on May 1st, 1968. May 18th is my belly button birthday. I was going to be of age. I wanted to go drink on my birthday. They did major surgery. Said there's no way you're going to get out. I got out on the 18th of May. 18th of May that year was on a Friday. We always went to the Marine Club, which was our little club. And you you hobnob with whoever was coming from the embassy and whatnot. And I went there. She came in. And we started a relation, a meaningful relationship. I went to her place that night. I know that you can do it in a full leg cast. <laughs> Just throw that sucker off the side of the bed. That's all. <laughs> she was my type of woman. She had a case of champagne under her bed. I liked her. And we started a little relationship. And I went from May to September in some form of military hospital trying to figure what to do with my leg. My leg is now messed up. And that's another story. And that's the way that is. But I married her. Fourth, I'm, I'm a patriot. Fourth of July. I married her. And that went, the relationship was pretty good. We were overseas. We come back to the United States. This little thing in the back of my man, my head says, man, she's cute. And I said, yeah, she is. And I have a little drink. And I said, well, God, she's really cute. And she blinked at me, I think. So that was a signal. See, I forgot that I was married. I thought I was back out in the streets playing the games the guys playing the games that you drink with and you play. Women, I find, play the same games. Some of them are coyote ugly and some of them aren't coyote ugly. But we just go play looking for better things. And I went looking for better things that morning. Or that afternoon or whatever it was. And of course, with the bottom line is I had an affair. But guilt came in. Came into that world of my head. And just tore my head up. There is no alcohol in the world. This was 1970. My sobriety date is 76. For six years, or just about six years, I went crazy. There are some things that I did in the next six years I wish no alcoholic has to go through, but you got to go through it if you're going to get here. And I had to go where I had to go. Over a simple thing called guilt. And she didn't deserve it. She was trying to be a good wife. And she has a past of her own. And I knew about her past. And she cleaned up the wreckage of her life. As far as I was concerned. But I couldn't clean up mine. And the guilt just killed me. Remember I told you I was a Catholic. It got to a point I had first. I had face to face contact. And the priest couldn't help me. There was no words of forgiveness he could give me to get rid of that guilt. So I had to drink. And then a kid was born. A daughter was born. And I was there. But they do a C-section. Back then, see, they couldn't go in. We were going to do the C. So I stayed out there. And then I got drunk that night. And I got drunk a lot of nights. And I must have said some kind of a prayer like, get me out of this mess. And I went to Southeast Asia. Wife number one thinks I ran away. Well, she's right. And I go over to Southeast Asia with all this guilt, and I drink, and I drink, and I drink. I get in a lot of trouble in Southeast Asia. I found out what happens with me in a blackout, and I thought I was cool. Ran into my best buddy. I had known him since third grade. Said some things to him that no man should say to another man, and I just degraded him. That came back to haunt me years later. And I'm in Southeast Asia and I 
realize that I still want that woman and I'm begging her to keep me and she don't want me and all that kind of crap that us men go through when we realize we screwed up and we can't figure who to blame. Well, she said, I don't want anything to do with you. I want out. 1973. I said, no, no, I ain't giving it to you. I'm going back overseas. And so I went to Amsterdam. A little base outside of Amsterdam. She doesn't go. I'm crazy. I go on a seek and destroy mission. Seek and destroy means if you look good, you got to be mine so I can mess with your head and dump you. Because look what she did to me. See, it became her fault all of a sudden. And I went on a seek and destroy, and seek and destroy, seek and destroy. I'm the kind of alcoholic to show you that I don't like those other kind of drugs. I lived 45 minutes direct shot to Amsterdam, the drug capital of the world, where you can get anything and everything right walking down the street. And I can't make it to Amsterdam because I can't stay sober long enough to drive up to Amsterdam. That's the kind of alcoholic I am. And I went on a seek and destroy mission, not proud of that, and that's just part of my story. Came back to the States on November of uh, 75 to bury my grandmother. Had gone to a class reunion in June of 75. Went into a blackout. Came out of that blackout. Something's not right. I know that I'm all screwed up. I, you know, November, I go to and bury my grandmother in North Carolina. In Greensboro, North Carolina, matter of fact. The whole family's there. I make this weird announcement. I'm a full-blown alcoholic. There is nothing else to call me but a full-blown alcoholic. And I announce to my family, when mom and I die, when mom and dad die, there'll be no alcohol. I don't know where that came from. See, we don't have advertisement in Europe about stuff, about drinking and not drinking and all that. And I make that statement. I go back to Europe. I get in trouble. I get in a car accident. This time I get caught. Young lady almost goes through the windshield. She had a wig on, and the wig saved her life. I cut up my head and everything else. I get in trouble. I'm an embarrassment to the government. Commander wants me out. They want to throw me out of the Air Force. Anything he could do to get rid of me. This is November 1975. I don't want, I don't know what the hell's going on. I belong to a fraternity. I'm a Shriner. I don't know. They can't help me. Nobody can help me. See, then they weren't talking about maybe you should go to AA. If you get in trouble, then someone wants to send you somewhere, but you're just walking the streets drunk. See, so I'm a drunk and I'm, I am somebody. Back then it's get drunk, be somebody. Get drunk, be somebody. I'm a drunk. I didn't have a problem you calling me a drunk. It sound cool. Don't call me an alcoholic though. But I was a drunk. And so I just did my thing. I'm in trouble in the military. The United States Air Force has a sense of humor. God definitely has a sense of humor. He knows I ain't going to like him, but he's playing with me all the time. He's hanging right there over me, protecting me. This is my story. They send me to Spain. I'm not supposed to go to Spain. But they send me to Spain. And I'm there for ten days. I'm on a ten weeks, and I'm on a bad drunk the whole time. I have to go see a stupid movie. It's called Chalk Talk. Dumb movie. I have met the man. I met Father Martin. Touched the hem of his garment. I have seen the film. Heard the tapes. Done it all over again and again. And I cannot tell you the magical words that was in that film. It's almost like my sponsor. His first AA meeting, Ernie the attorney's talking about something that means absolutely nothing to a newcomer. Ernie had to be talking like Father Martin was talking to me as Dick heard uh, Ernie and I heard Father Martin. Something like... <laughs> the end result of... He stayed sober. See, he got sober in 1965 getting ready for me. I believe that. That's what Father Martin's talk talk did. I cannot tell you what it was. But shortly after that, the gentleman who told me to just shut up, don't go to sleep, listen to the, watch the film, I went and said, I need help. Now, on the 7th of February, I had been drunk, passed out, passed in, passed out, 
passed over, peed, not peed, whatever, the whole bit. That's all on a Saturday. I used to get up Saturday morning dressed like this, so it's no big deal to have a coat and tie on, to go grocery shopping. Because I never knew if I was going to go back home. Back then you got dressed up like this if you really wanted to impress her. You got to be cool. You know, the superfly red and the superfly white, whatever. The hats, the gangster wall. You know. Me, me, fighting machine. I had a pimping machine. It was a canary yellow. But I wanted to be anonymous with a canary yellow. You know, but I'm cool. You know, doing my thing. And on the 7th of February, somewhere between 10 and 11 o'clock at night, Saturday night, I'm at the NCO club. I announced to my roommate, I need help. I don't want to do this thing anymore. He says, if you're sure, I'll go back with you to the dorm. I left a half a glass of Chevy's Regal scotch on the bar. I had made myself progress up to, from drinking vodka to Shepherd's Regal Scotch with Mad Dog. What a combination, Mad Dog. I don't know. Okay. I left that on the counter. If I had known that I was never going to be able to drink alcohol for the rest of my life, and I was going to end up in Cincinnati not once but twice, I would have probably drank the rest of that Shepherd's Regal. <laughs> and you'd have a different speaker this morning. But I was done. That was when I was done up to this point this morning. I was done drinking alcohol. Alcohol was my fixer. Alcohol was my friend right up to the last day. Alcohol can be my friend today. The problem is I got an airplane to catch. That's why I love flying Midwest. So when she says, do you want some champagne? I go, you ain't got enough. <laughs> to this day, that was my last drink. I didn't know what was going to happen. That's a Saturday night. I was told that I did some weird things. I did some crying. I did some peeing. I did some stuff. I got up like a good Catholic Sunday morning, and I went to Mass. Now, those of you who are in this room are Catholic, you know it's up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. <laughs> and somewhere in up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, I must have said, God help me. Must have. That's the only way I can explain this to you if you're trying to figure out how I understand what's going on. I must have said, God help me. Because at that point, the obsession to drink is gone. Now, I don't know what's going on. This is a Sunday. Monday, after I got off a job, we worked. I'm sitting in the dining room at the NCO club. I order a pitcher of sangria wine. My roommate says, man, I thought you said you didn't want to drink. I said, I don't. He says, you just ordered wine. I said, man, I'm going to eat. He says, don't you know you can't have anything to drink of alcohol for the rest of your life? Huh? Not even to eat? I mean, legitimately eat? He goes, no. And he knows nothing about Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. You don't get the wine. Now, my first AA meeting is on a Wednesday. So I went from Saturday night, Sunday morning, to Wednesday without a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. The home base that I'm stationed at already knows the word is back. Reggie, the drunk, is no longer is sworn off alcohol. <laughs> the word is back. I go to my first AA meeting. I walk into my first AA meeting and it's something like <laughs> smoke, children, laughing, cackling, the whole bit. <laughs> A guy walks in from my base. I see him. I'm scared to death. Oh, my God. He sees me in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous. <gasps> it never dawned on me. What's he doing in the meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous? <laughs> this is Wednesday. We go home on Friday. 
The bus pulls up, we pull up and get off in front of the NCO club, which is just, that's the club on base. That's where everything is going on. People say to me, how was your AA meeting? <laughs> See, no one told me about anonymity. My anonymity was broke before I ever knew there was such a thing. So I am not anonymous in here. If my whole base knew that I'm an AA, why do you people, why am I worried about it? I'm a drunk. There's people who want to know, how come you're not a drunk? I met a buddy of mine I hadn't seen in 30 years. He doesn't believe I'm an alcoholic. We're talking about stuff, and this was just not too long ago. We're matching stories in June. I'm telling them stories. And it dawned on me, he ain't getting it. And I said, Joe, you're looking at me for the first time in your life. Without me being on the influence of alcohol. He had never seen me without being on the influence of alcohol. See, so they don't care. They don't know. They want to know what happened. So I'm not worried about my last name. You ain't going to find Reggie in the phone book if you go back to Bellevue, Nebraska. You can find me as I am. Now, you can call Central Office. They know who I am. i got a big mouth. Very cute. I'm the only black Reggie that's been sober for a while in Nebraska. But my name is Jim, Dick, Scott. You ain't finding us just like that. There's too many. I'm the only Reggie in my home group. It's easy to figure who he is. So I ain't worried about all of that. So that's that's where I am with that. That's enough of that. So I'm going on doing A&A. Going to one meeting at a time. One meeting, that's all we have. One meeting a week. In English, the rest are all Dutch, so we don't go. One meeting. I'm told just don't drink one day at a time. Just don't drink one day at a time. One day at a time, I don't drink. This ain't what I like. I can't go in the NCO club because my fraternity brothers who are helping me say, if you go in, we're not helping you. I can't even go in. They could go in and get a quick one to go home. See, because they always went home. I'm the guy who goes in and drinks all night saying I'm only going to have one. And I would tell you that my buddies drank with me. I didn't know they were coming in on shifts. <laughs> So I don't know what's going on. I'm just doing my thing. And I'm and I'm just crazy. Anyways, I get sober. I end up in Bellevue, Nebraska, and I get dick because my sponsor. I'm speeding up because I'm running out of time because I like what's going on. I feel good now. <laughs> Not that I'm running out of time. I just feel good. Cause some things have happened. I'm sober. I've been sober for five years, 11 months. Well, actually, four years. Five years, 11 months, and three weeks shy of doing the fourth and fifth. So I know you cannot do one. You'll be nuts. I now have Dick as a sponsor I've had only three sponsors since I've been in AA I didn't know I could choose in between every place I've been I've had a different sponsor and that's the only one I kept and I got Dick and I've had Dick for since 1981 he takes me down in his basement takes out a piece of paper he said he puts some stuff on a piece of paper and says go home do a fourth you got, you got one week to do and we're going to do a fifth we're not talking about this, how to do it in the big book see because in the big book there's Mr. Brown Y'all know who Mr. Brown is, right? There is no Mr. Brown in my life. I don't understand it. <laughs> Dick could tell me whoever he wanted to be, Mr. Brown, but it's not registering my brain. It's Mr. Brown. He comes up with another idea, and I've been able to do a fourth and fifth, and it's as thorough as I've ever had to do. I haven't had to do a fourth and fifth again on my life with him. I knew my secret. My secret is fear. I didn't know what degree of fear I had. I have fear of rejection. You don't like me. I'm scared. I know you don't like me. It has come to this day to haunt me. I pass that on to my kids. And I have two daughters now, second wife. My wife, my current wife's in AA. Wife number one divorced me, doesn't like me. That's fine. But I'm doing AA. I'm sponsoring guys. I make amends to my parents. I don't like my father. Dick says, when you call your mom, your dad answers the phone, ask him how he's doing. Stuff like that. He don't know. You don't care. And that's why I did that. So if you don't like your parents, just just make like they don't know and just act like it's okay. Just act like it. Just pretend. They don't know. You don't know. They don't know. You don't know. Just pretend. And one day you stop pretending. My parents think I'm the greatest thing since ice cream before they died. 
My father says I did something about my life. I changed my life. And he's proud of me. He likes the day I did. I retired from the military. He's proud of me. My father made amends to me. I couldn't make amends to him. I finally go home to do it. And he does it. Because he's a Christian. He does it. I come back to Dick. I said, Dick, that ain't the way the book says it. <laughs> ain't the way the book says it. Does that mean I didn't do a fourth and fifth? Or I didn't do a nice step with him? I did a nice step with him? He says, yeah, you did. Now, in the meantime, see, Dick knows that I'm a runner. I'm not a, hey, I don't like what's going on. So he takes me to a conference. I meet this guy called M. Gilmore. That's where I still fly in the buttermilk from. Oh, M. Dick takes me to see him. Dick don't tell me nothing about this guy. He says, I just got this guy I want you to see. I want to meet him. I want you to hear him. I go, and look. he's a man of color. <gasps> in AA. I'm not the only one. <laughs> and he peeks my whole, whole card. He tells my whole story. Blows me out of the water. And he says, by the way, you're going to run. You stick with that man. He tells me to stick with him. Him hasn't given me permission to leave him yet. So I'm stuck. I like the guy now. I didn't like my sponsor at first. I don't know if you like the guys that I sponsor. Hey, I ain't their buddy. I'm here to help save their life, not save their being or whatever else they want to save. I don't care if they like me or not. And that's what happened. And M saved my life. So I'm struggling along. My wife's in AA. We're trying to do an A and A. I got this daughter. Got two of them. Daughter number one from the first marriage has nothing to do with me. It just eats my lunch. Dick tells me, Reggie, you were never really a father. The whole, he tells me all the good stuff. I don't hear it because there's something missing in my life. And I'm trying to do the right thing. Can't do the right thing. She wants nothing to do with me. She goes and gets married. I'm not invited. Ho, ho. I'm the victim. Whoa, hey, what's going on? I'm the victim. I start talking to Alanon. Alanon say, man, if you start writing this script, you're going to have to write the script all the way through. And you, you know if you can do that. And I go, no, I can't, but I'm going to try it. I'm sending postcards, Christmas cards, all this stuff. Nothing's working. Daughter number two, good daughter. If she's going to be an alcoholic, she better hurry up because she ain't one yet. She's a Gemini. If I want to analyze her, I don't know if I'm analyzing the Gemini or you know, ism. So I just forget it. She's a good kid. She spent a year, uh, seven weeks in D.C. this year doing an internship, doing all that crisis and all the crisis going on. Wife number one, wife number two is going nuts. She finds out about it. She goes off to D.C. She says, aren't you going to go? I go, no, I already been to D.C. If I want to be around you two women, I'd bring her home. No, I ain't going. She has a good time. She's a National Honor Society student. She carries a... Um, 4.0, whatever, GPA and all that good stuff. She's a good kid, got potential. I told her I'm going to start needing griefings here pretty shortly to play golf. She's got to go make some money to take care of dad. Now, bring you where I'm at. Daughter number two needs help in D.C. to go do this internship. Daughter number one is in Alexandra. I know where she is. Daughter number two doesn't want to have anything to do with her sister because she thinks sister has hurt dad. She's going to protect dad. So she's been mad at sister number one. So they've been mad. They're doing their thing. So she realizes she needs her sister's help. To make the long story short for you, if you're trying to follow this bouncing ball, number two, number one, get together. If I had to, in this Sunday morning, and if I had to go to Mass, Go to the synagogue, go to the temple, go anywhere and say a prayer. I, for myself, because I'm self-centered, I'm an alcoholic, would love for her to call me up and say, Daddy, without asking for some money or something. I just want to be your friend. That's me. The reality of it is I wanted my two daughters to get together because I'm going to be gone. And I wanted them to be together. They are now together. They communicate. So my daughter says, well, I heard from Kate. See, I knew it was Kathleen. She went from Kathleen to Katie to now Kate. She gets an email from Kate. I want to know what's going on. Maybe today is the day she says something about me. Nope. 
Shelly is my daughter, baby daughter, goes and tells about everything about me there is to tell about this father that she knows. Kate's saying that's not the dad that I know. Or mom's painted. See, so I got hung up in that divorce. All I am is to be the best example of Alcoholics Anonymous I know how to be. And that's all I did with daughter number two. You made me be an example. The only example that they will ever see. We talked about, it's been said over the weekend. I am the big book in fatherhood through AA. You taught me how to do that. You taught him, meaning Dick, how to do it so he could tell me how to handle this. See, God didn't dump this on me right quick. Because I would have, no, 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 I can't handle this. What we found out is daughter number one, daughter number two, and dad have this thing called fear of rejection. Daughter number two is figuring out how to solve that. She's too smart for her own human good. So she's having fun, having problems with boyfriends because she's too smart. And you know how, you women, you know how that is when you get too smart for us. We don't like you because we don't want you to be too smart. I'm, I'm a chauvinist, that's right. <laughs> so she handles her fear through school. Daughter number one doesn't want to talk to dad because she thinks I'm not going to talk to her. Dad won't call number, daughter number one because he thinks daughter number one ain't going to talk to him. We got a triangle going on in the CAA circle all over again. I got my own triangle, all because of fear. I am willing. I have done the things that I can do that I know I can do at this point. One day, with Dick's help, I'll pick up the phone and I'll make the call. And if she's either going to talk or she ain't. If Dick said go do it today, we'd have to. Uh, Dick, you know, hey, we got to catch an airplane. Oh, no. Not today, Dick. No, please. Not today. Not today. Because I'm scared to death. Been sober for over 25 years. Scared to death of a 30-year-old child. You hear me? Scared to death. So it's okay to be scared. It can be about bills. It can be about anything. Long as you're in here not drinking, it's not gonna cause me to drink. I'm about living. Stop drinking stopped a long time ago. I'm about learning how to live. That's what you have taught me, how to live. My parents are dead. I am, we were talking about this morning, Dick and I. My parents did the best they could do with what they had to do it with. They don't know they got an alcoholic for a son. There's no, excuse me, there's no signs to go read and judge and match and say, hey, oh, this is a little weird. Well, my daughter's tried alcohol, the, the baby. She don't like it. It, it makes her do things. She don't want to go to Alanon. She wants to go do her thing. I let her go do her thing. She visited Alateen one whole week. Said, it ain't for me. We said, go do your thing. Because if she's going to be one of us, she's got to do what you women done. And there's a lady shaking her head. Yeah, she's got to do it. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do to her. I'd rather go get a 357 Magnum and blow her brains out. Because I don't want my baby daughter to have to go through what you women had to go through to get here. I'm sorry. But I know. If she's got to go do that, I want AA to be the same way it was when I came in. I want someone meeting her at the door and saying welcome. I really do. But I don't want her to have to go through that stuff. I listen to your women's stories. I've listened to them. That's my baby. And I don't know any father who would want their daughter to go through what they have to go through to get here. But if you've got to get here, be let it be the same way. Keep AA the way it was when you came in. Don't come up with some new name, new stuff, new fangle dangle, new whatever. Don't disguise it because they won't understand it's not the thing that you was talking about. My daughter's been to AA. She goes to events. I had an anniversary, 25-year anniversary. The guys surprised me. They brought a, one my, my kid brother in, who's now in AA. This is the guy I used to beat up. This is the guy my older brother and I used to play catch with, and, every, and we drop. 
He calls me up for advice. I don't want to give him advice. Dick, I don't, I call Dick. Dick, I don't want to talk to him, Dick. I don't want, Dick says, just be his brother and answer his question. I don't want to sponsor my brother. My, his sponsor tells him to call me. I don't want to do that. I just want to be a big brother. But if big brother's helping him, I'll do what I have to do. So he calls and asks for advice. I took him to the gravesite where my parents are buried. Before he ever got to that point in his fourth and fifth. I said, ask your sponsor. Because I know if you don't go, you ain't going to do it. You ain't going to stay sober and clean. I know what you did. So I don't have to guess. I don't, I'm not going by hearsay, they say. I know what you did. And if you don't clean it up, you ain't going to make it. His sponsor said, take him. And I'm going to end with this because this is what happened to him. We're there. And I said, don't stand over him and give him this bull crap about their fault. Now, I don't want to hear that crap. He said, okay. And I don't want you standing up there snivelling about what's going on in life. If it comes, it comes natural. So he says to me, is something going to happen? I go, I don't know. We won't know until you do it. What happened was, up on the hill, was another young man paying respect to his parents. And he looks down on the field and he says, Chuck. I used to call him Chucky, but he's Chuck now. Looks like Orson Welles, but he's Chuck. He says, Chuck, is that you? Chuck says, yeah. Is that you, Randy? Yeah. Who's that other guy? That's Reggie. Oh, man. So he comes down. We're talking. He lived on the second floor. His parents were buried up the hill. Chuck and Randy hadn't talked to each other in ten years. They were best of friends. Randy couldn't handle my brother's drugs of choice. Randy walks back into Chuck's life because Chuck is standing at the gravesite. By the grace of God. You can call it anything you want. I couldn't have written that script. I'm not smart enough. But I've been told in AA. The book tells me halfway, halfway done, halfway before it's all over, something is going to happen to change your life. There's the promises. I just know that. So I told him that without telling him all the rest of the stuff he's got to do. If you do this, something's going to happen. Doesn't make a big deal to you, but it makes a big deal with him. Because see, it tells him that AA does in fact work. Now, we don't know. I don't know what you're hearing this morning. I just know what I'm hearing. And what I have heard. I've heard keep coming back, it works. And if I keep doing that, I'm going to be okay. If I don't do that, I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you this. I'm not the man that I want to be, and I'm not the man that I ought to be. But by the grace of God, actions of Alcoholics Anonymous, you people, sponsorship, I'm not what I used to be. And I believe that there's going to come a day. And I'm, see, I've already been to hell. And I'm walking away from hell. And I'm going up. And he's going to say, or she may say, not sure. I'm the alcoholic, not sure. Someone's going to say, man, did you have a good time with that life I gave you? I gave you two chances. Did you enjoy what you liked, what I gave you? I gave you everything twice. I got two daughters, two wives. I got everything twice. Messed up one, got another one to try to train and, tra- and condition and love with and do everything. Two women in one household is not good. When you got one bathroom, man, it just ain't working sometimes. But I've learned how to deal with all that stuff. You're at time of the month, I got it all down packed. I know when and when it ain't and all that good stuff. When to shut up, when not to shut up. I understand it all. I sponsor guys, I love them. They're nuts. They're my guys. I don't sponsor other people's guys. You don't interview me for sponsorship. You either want what I have or you don't want it, and that's fine with me. I don't need it. I don't need a whole bunch. I'm self-centered. I'm the most important thing that I look at and talk to every morning and every night. In between, I may think about you. In between. And that's the good part. I have a little prayer that tells me a whole bunch of stuff I must do, and I say, oh, by the way, I'm just getting out of bed. That's how I start and end my day. About, it's about me. How I'm going to look, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to wear, and all that, blah, 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 blah,
And in between, it's all about AA. And when he's going to say, I, I did all this for you, did you enjoy it? And if I say, no, I didn't, I'm afraid he's going to say, go to hell. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.